Hello, and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly manga podcast for every week. We read all of the chapters on Visit Shonen Jump website, as well as another collected volume of manga. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. And hey, the apocalypse hit Japan, finally. Hey. And by finally, I mean they admitted it hit them. It hit them before it hit us. Yep. So we might be kind of inconsistent. I have no idea what's going to go on with Shonen Jump. Same. There's not one coming out next week. Hopefully... The week after, there will be, but I have no idea. I feel real bad for the new series that are starting right now. They're on the schedule to release one next week. Or not next week, but the week after. They are, but they were on the schedule for next week before. So. Gotcha. I I just have no... It really just depends on what happens in Japan, and I don't think they're... I don't think they know, frankly. Mm-hmm. But we've got a issue to talk about this week. Starting with a brand new series, like I said before, Bone Collection Chapter 1, I Don't Want to Die. Yep. Which, like I said, I feel real bad for these new series starting right now, because it's super hard to gain traction, and it's much harder when you're going weeks between chapters. Yeah, this is a really just poor timing with all these series coming to a close. and like, yeah, let's put some new ones in. Oh, the, the world's stuck inside. Hmm. Especially something like Bone Collection in particular, because it seems really generic shonen to me, with like wearing yeah. a huge Bleach influence on its sleeve. Yeah. I saw Bleach, and I also saw... I can never pin down the trope, but it's the... Uh, well, let me just make friends with the spirits. Yeah. Or the bad guys, or whatever. Yeah, I... I... I don't know where to put that either, but you're right. This just seems strong bleach to me, I think, because A, the art style. Okay. And B, this hot chick showed up and I borrowed her powers. Yep. Although you're right, it definitely has a Pokemon element of I take the powers of the yokai I befriend. Yeah, but it seems like he's going to focus on her power. Because Yes, which is why I got the bleach vibe. But... Yeah, because it's also that... So one of the big things is that that's uh, forbidden art, which is like, of course it is. Oh, the hero is totally useless, except for the one forbidden ability that he has that makes him super amazing. Yeah. Another reason I got a super bleach vibe off of that is while the the heroes don't look very bleach, the main heroine could walk straight. If she told me she was a bleach character from after I stopped reading, I would believe you 100%. Yeah, I could totally see her being... Probably one of the Iran car. An car, probably. Yeah, I was like, probably one of the Iran car. strong car vibes yep. in particular. So Bone Collection is about a boy who is an exorcist. He has to fight yokai. You can become an exorcist either by being good at your job or because of nepotism. And his family is all super famous exorcists. Yeah, basically it made it sound like it wasn't just you can become an exorcist because of nepotism, but it's like if you grew up in an exorcist household, you just kind of like you're expected to be an exorcist. But he is one. Like, I think they gave him a license for free because of that. I, it's Prob- definitely the vibe I got, too. Yeah. Like Kevin said earlier, he's very bad at his job, except the one forbidden technique he knows, which is to borrow the powers of other yokai. But that will eventually turn him into one, so it's bad and forbidden. Yep. But then a hot girl falls from the sky, and he is secretly a yokai, because of course she is. And he borrows her powers to defeat a different yokai. Yep. Although at first he doesn't, like, really know that she is eventually uh, he catches on very quick but uh he's just like wow some big breasted lady just fell out of the sky and she's like you give me pancakes okay also his cute female childhood friend who worries about him is an exorcist because she got good grades yep the joke that really stood out to me is when the evil demon shows up the the yokai i'm sorry we've got devils demons yokai all sorts of stuff Yep. When the yokai shows up, he's like, ah, yes, this is a great place to find human girls. I knew I could trust Yahoo Answers. Yeah. And I'm super curious what the original joke was. Like, I think that's some very good translation work in play. Yeah, it's probably some like Japanese something similar of that. Yeah. Something that's similarly infamous for its uh, bad information. Yeah, like uh, Facebook recommendations. And I remember having a pretty strong cliffhanger. I think just the childhood friend shows up and is like, who is this hot chick? But I've already forgotten what it was, even though I remember being intrigued by it. It was basically, so the cliffhanger was, he was like, hey, I'm going to have to borrow this yokai's powers. And the cliffhanger was basically the fact that he went, wait a minute, you're one of like the gods of the yokai realm? 
because like oh, that's, yes, that's he, he figured out like what her identity was, and he's like, uh, this is bad. I wrote it down, and it was all nonsense to me. But it's a, she's a Gasha Dokoro, which is a super powerful yokai. Yes. Yeah, it, like they explain it as like one of like the guardians or the gods of the yokai realm. Yeah. The problem with it, really, as a series, is I can't help but compare it to Bleach, and while this artist is good, he's no Kubo Taito. Yeah. The other problem I feel with it is because it feels like kind of generic shonen, and we already have Guardian of the Witch, which I'm not saying is generic shonen, but that's kind of generic as well, and I just, just kind of like, okay, here's a bunch of tropes thrown together. And oddly, generic shonen is what I want in my shonen jump, but I think we're just jaded because of all the series like this that have started since we started reading Chainsaw Man's the only one to survive. And yep. neither of us are super thrilled with it. Well, it's gone a bit of a weird direction, and it's not like I'm saying, oh man, this is going to suck. It's just kind of one of those, probably isn't the best time to be doing random generic shonen. Especially now, like. It kind of is though, because Demon Slayer is about to go away, right? And then, true. What are the What are the good Shonen and Jump at this after that? My Hero and One Piece. Yeah. And like Jujutsu Kaisen and Black Clover are fine and going to stick around. Yep. But there's, you know, Shonen Jump is many times proven. There's room for three. And remember, Hunter Hunter was running when the big three were around. Yeah. I just don't think this is going to be one that survives, unfortunately, especially because Burn the Witch is supposed to get a serialization. And yeah. if Kubo shows up next to this, I just think it'll look very bad in comparison. On top of the fact that Kubo will be coming in with, hey, look, I'm writing a new series. And it's just people are going to kind of latch onto that. Like, oh, hey, look, he's making something else. Didn't work for Samurai 8, but the difference is that Kubo is an incredible artist. And the guy whose name's made Naruto, whose name I wish I knew and can't remember right now, can't draw anymore. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to say on Bone Collection? No. That will bring us to One Piece Chapter 978, introducing the Toby Ropo. What did you think of One Piece this week, Kevin? It was okay. It was just, uh, like, introducing the Toby Ropo is the perfect chapter title for this, because that's basically all they did. Yeah, and unfortunately it ends on basically the same cliffhanger as last time, only this time we see their faces. Yeah. It was just kind of like, uh, Drake's one of them. That's like something kind of cool, but that's it, yeah. really. And Kinemon has clothing powers, which we already knew, but it's a reminder and it's a cool use for them. But yeah, especially like with two dead weeks on the other side of it, I thought it was a very weak chapter of One Piece, personally. Yeah. No, I agree with you there. I, I Again, I did like the introduction of them, finally. It was like, ah, oh, this, this is pretty cool, but... Presumably that's who Kid and Luffy and Law and some of the Straw Hats are going to be fighting. So Yeah. Or maybe some of the Samurai. We'll see. There's a giant cast of people, and I doubt everyone's going to get a fight. I doubt so as well. I feel like maybe there'll be some team-up fights for once. Kind of like... They but... do that occasionally, but like Usopp and Nami is a good team that they'll throw at stuff a lot. I and mean, there are some cool pairings you could have. Yeah, the Usopp Chopper team is actually one of the fights that I really like early on in the Desiree In the Alabasta arc? No, not Dressrosa. The Sand King. Alabasta. Alabasta. Alabasta, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I can see why you confuse it with Dressrosa, because it's basically the same arc. Yeah, and it was just the, it was like, <laughs> oh yeah, they threw those two together, and I was like, that was kind of neat. So. Yeah, it, it's super good. We're probably going to get a Kid and Luffy fighting Kaido. I hope Law's there too, but I have a feeling Law will be off with the Samurai, since he already got a big fight with Luffy. Yeah. I hope Beppo gets a fight. I doubt he will. I don't think he's that important of a character. No, but I I do love me some Beppo. That will bring us, if you have nothing else to say about One Piece, nah. to My Hero Academia, number 269, The Three of Us. What did you think of My Hero this week, Kevin? It was pretty good. I I do really like the moment where President Mike uses his loud voice attack, which is a hilarious <laughs> name for a, an attack for him. So I laughed I mean, at it that. It is. My only note is DJ Punch. <laughs> that was pretty good. Which is his other attack? Yes. He's got loud voice and DJ punch. I'm like, the I I'm gonna hand it to you, man. That's pretty good. I mean I've said my piece on the current My Hero arc a thousand times and it kinda of just stands through this. Now I'll race ahead and to a lesser degree present Mike are characters I care about. Mm -hmm. And this was set up at the start of the arc, so I liked it a bit more than I have, but also just like kind of a eh, piece of my, my hero. It was super weird to have my hero and one piece back to back 
in this and for the, me to have such a mad reaction to both of them. Yeah, they, they were just kind of both happened to be at that point in the story. Yeah. Like, all right, we've got to explain what's happening with the C team. Here you go. <laughs> the thing, yeah. Anything else you want to say about My Hero? Because I know you're more into this arc than I am. I Like I said, I liked it. I liked the present mic loud voice attack. I think that was a really good panel. I like the them being like, oh god, we've got to stop Tomura from waking up. This is really bad. Mm-hmm. And so I'm interested I'm interested to see what's going to happen because it looks like, oh no, he's, you know, not going to wake up, but obviously he's going to. Yeah. I although if he wakes up, I kinda don't know what you can do with Tomura after this arc. I mean, we'll have to see. Yeah. That is the one reason to keep Deku out of this is so that you can set him up to fight Deku later. Yeah, and what I mean by he might not wake up right now, like they make it sound like he's going to it's die true. in this. Like, oh God, he got, he, you know, they popped him too early. He's going to die. So maybe he just, he'll go into a coma and they'll deal with some stuff and then he'll show up later. Okay, can just be the main villain for a while, right? Yeah. <laughs> I guess it would be Dobby at this point is who they would be setting up for that. Yeah. With that... twice apparently out of the picture. And if Tomaro is also out, I just... It's been a weird My Hero arc. It has, but... Like, it's not one of my favorite arcs, but it's still My Hero, so I still really like... Oh, yeah. At least, at the very least, certain aspects of it. That will bring us to Demon Slayer Chapter 203, Voices of Encouragement. What did you think of Demon Slayer this week, Kevin? Oh, man, that was beautiful. It's really good. Before we get to anything serious, the one little chapter where Zenitsu is like, Oh, thank goodness, I I will uh, be sure to talk to him him about hurting you my wife and just nezuko has this one very tiny speech bubble where she just says wife, wife. question mark <laughs> yes that was that was hilarious <laughs> and really good i also like right before that and is like you weren't able to actually do any damage to me as he's like covered in wounds uh, to be fair he was covered in wounds before he fought tanjiro too yeah but he took a bunch of damage from tanjiro because he couldn't fight him but i just like i liked that you know that's classic Inosuke bravado you know, pff, you weren't able to do anything. But the majority of this chapter is sort of Tanjiro's inner battle to not give in to his demon side. I kind of wonder if this is how it worked for all of them. Because we see a representation of Muzan being like, hey, you already killed your sister. Like, there's no point anymore. Yeah. I I don't know if it was... I honestly think it wasn't just a representation of Muzan. I think it like was Muzan because... His like mo- all the demons were made from his cells, so it, it yeah, kind that's of, true. That's fair. It kind of made it feel like this is like limbo, and so Muzan is trying to be like, you need to live so that I can live, so that you can be the perfect being. Even though like my main body's died, my cells will live on through you, so I'll live on through you. But they just had that limbo of Muzan trying to drag him down, and then all of the hands, uh, actually the uh, his family members pushing him up from underneath Muzan was what really got me at first. Yeah. And then all the hands of his cu- the his friends that are currently alive coming down like from the heavens through the wisteria flowers to pull him up to the world of light. Mm-hmm. That was just that was really cool. Yeah. I really really liked it. Kana's still alive. That's good. So she and Tanjiro can go off and be the OTP in the epilogue. Yep. Yeah, I really liked that. I don't know what else to say about it really. Yeah, it it was it was really beautiful. Which will bring us to Mori King Chapter 2, Family Meeting. Speaking of new series, what did you think of Mori King this week, Kevin? It didn't make me laugh as much as last week, but it's given the series a direction, which sounds kind of interesting, so I could at least run with it for a little bit. Yeah, it is immediately like, hey, this is a shonen battle manga, but then it does go back to almost all comedy. Well, and it also, like, specifically it doesn't mention that it's necessarily going to have to be mainly the shonen battle manga because like he just said it had to be the last one surviving that doesn't necessarily mean they have to fight to the death no it doesn't but that's definitely the implication now it could still be a super comedic version of that yes so specifically it's the more king mentions well there's not just one candidate to be king there's six of us including me and the last one standing gets to be king of the insects so there's probably other others like me that I'm going to have to deal with at some point. Mm-hmm. But then the rest of the 
chapter mostly focuses on the emergency 61st session of their family meeting to determine what to do with this weird man who has shown up with a weird horn. Yes. Who their dad immediately assumes is, I can't remember her name, the girl's boyfriend. And uh, she's like, he is not my boyfriend. But he's just clearly, you know, ignoring her. Like, but you were clinging to him. Anyway, the mom declares that he can join the family, at least until he dies in the fall. Yeah, because they're like, yeah, it's a rhinoceros beetle. They don't live that long. Yeah, much to their father's chagrin. With the uh, line of, it happens, doesn't it? Which I do love the, like, laissez-faire attitude towards fantasy this has. Yep. With Shoko having to be the straight man. Yeah, it's pretty good. Anything else you wanted to say about it, Kevin? No. That will bring us to Guardian of the Witch number 12, Gravity Magic. Which continues to be some pretty standard shonen stuff. They seem to be setting up this witch-guardian duo to join the party. It might be too obvious a uh, setup for it to actually end up happening. I feel like they're not actually going to join the party, but they're going to make allies that will do the hey, it's the final hour, I'm here to assist you kind of thing. That makes sense. So they do mention, because she's like, yeah, they can, you know, we can bring them with us. And Fafnir's like, yeah, but they're the only line of defense to this town. We take them with us, the town dies. And she's like, oh yeah. But, like, they still want to, and I, I did like this aspect, where they're like, well, I still want to tell them. Like, maybe we can be friends, even if they can't come with us maybe we can befriend them and you know do that classic all right so all the allies they made along the way show up at the final hour yeah i definitely thought it was going that way too until it ends with the guardian going up to the leader of the town i can't remember what his actual title is it's not mayor but this denethor asshole who's just a huge ass to him and is clearly a bad person yep like, well, I need to be dealt with, and that made me think, oh, maybe they will go the more traditional, and then they join Way. Although, putting Possible. them in charge is also a way to end this story that works fine. Yep. So, yeah, it was fairly good, but nothing incredible. Like I said, I did like the, but I just want to be friends with them. Yeah, I didn't dislike it, and there's some cool fighting at the beginning, too. And also, the main character, whose name I wish I could remember, has fire feet that he uses to fly. That's okay. Fafnir, Fafnir yeah. I knew it was something that I would be upset when I heard that I did not remember it. Yeah, I thought you were going to talk about the witch, who I guess not really the main character, but like Manasfa or however you pronounce her name. That's weird. But, yeah. you know, Fafnir, that's out of mythology. So, yeah, I, I'm sure she is, too. Just not something I'm familiar with. Probably. Anything else you wanted to say about Guardian of the Witch? No. That will bring us to Act Age Scene 110, Advertisement. Where, and this is kind of last time we were talking about Act Age. I was talking about how it didn't seem like Kay was being unreasonable, and I felt like I needed more of that. Mm-hmm. And now I am more on that page. Yep. Although I did love this chapter, especially the way it ends. What did you think about Act Age this week, Kevin? I, I really liked this, too. I really liked the just kind of the way they showed this is how we're trying to get Kay to grow. And I still I love the point where she's like, all right, let me try some of the Smart water again. Doesn't taste very good. I don't love this. And <laughs> so she's like, how how am I going to portray that I love this if I don't? Well, and before that, she like came up with this super tragic backstory for the entire ad, since there wasn't one. The other idol is like, oh man, your acting just got way, way better. And the director's like, yes, but you look sad, and that's not what this commercial is about. Yeah, and then they were, she was like, alright, well, like, how did we come up with... Well... The marketing team thought it would be nice to have two uh, sisters, and then uh, another, like, this person was like, oh, we should put it at the beach. That that seems good for a sports drink, right? Yeah, let's put it at the beach. And so it was like, you know, ten different people kind of came up with this this commercial ad hoc style. It wasn't like one guy who was like, this is my vision. Yeah, but she's like, okay, I have to love this water. That's the emotion I have to get through by the director. But it doesn't taste very good. I love that some of the execs were talking about, like, should you know, guys, this is taking, like, a, a while. We need to get rolling. And they were like, yeah, but she said she needs to love the water. Like, how can we not let an actor be like, well, I need to learn how to love your product. 
keep going. Yeah. And I love how she insists that they call the pe- the retired people who came up with the recipe. Yep. So that she can figure out why they made it that way. And I love that, like, she on the phone, she's like, yes, okay, I need to love your water, but it tastes bad. And, like, the people are laughing on the other end. <laughs> yeah. I also like that she talks back to the uh, the stars person, that her handler, and everyone's like, oh my god, she's talking back to that woman. Yeah. I mean, Act Age continues to be very good. Yep. Anything else you wanted to say about it, Kevin? No. All right, that brings us on to We Never Learn question 156, X equals Thumbelina Supercomputer Part 6. What did you think, Kevin? Because I don't know how to start this. I was really moved by this. I really liked where this story went and kind of the emotional attachment it started giving us to even more emotional attachment to Second Joe. Yeah. Same. I really like the ghost in this one. So anyway, we find out that Sekiju's mom is staying with them because she has decided to leave her husband. Yep. And this has been like a long time. And we find out this has been a long time coming. Like Sekiju is currently in the, oh, it's my fault. My parents are getting divorced kind of thing when it's like, clearly it's not. But they were trying to maintain their marriage for her. So she makes it, she feels like she's responsible for their divorce when really that is, obviously that isn't the case. But that's just how mm-hmm. she feels. So she's staying uh, with them until she can find an apartment, and she wants Sekijo to move in with her, which she agreed to in the last chapter. Yep. So Sekijo gets sad and goes play and plays a crane game, but the ghost follows her and texts uh, Ogata and Yugiya where she is, so they can come have a heart to heart with her. Yep. Yeah, and I really love the moment. So she's talking about she goes through her backstory of like. You know, I just wanted a friend. I, my parents were always, we'll give, you know, we'll give you whatever you want. And it's like, but I want you to want things. Like, I don't want to just be given whatever I want. I want to be treated, you know, like a real family. Like, you know, mom, you should not be yelling at me, but don't just give me everything and expect that to work out. And there's the parallel with the ghost who was sick. And so her parents be like, we'll get you whatever you want. And the ghost being like, what do you want? Friend. And she yeah. just kind of had that feeling of like, my parents told me, oh, we'll get you whatever you want. I I want you to kind of understand what I want. Like, yeah. not just be like, because Sekiju has a thing of like, you know, oh, what do you want for your birthday? Just give me cash. I'll go buy something for myself. Yeah, it was really good. Still really excited about where this can go. It doesn't seem like it's going to wrap up anytime soon. No. Which is fine by me. Yeah, the other one went ten parts, so. Right. So this would be about on par with that. Yeah. I also love the bit where the ghost is like, I want to save Sekijo, and then Ogata's like, I want to save Sekijo too! Wait. And then she's like, wait, why did I say two? And the, uh, <laughs> Yugi and the ghost both look at each other like, uh... <laughs> Hey, ghost feelings or something or the other, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. As always, very, very good. Mm-hmm. Which, last but not least, will bring us to Dr. Stone, Z equals 148, Pioneers of Stone. What did you think of Dr. Stone this week, Kevin? This was kind of just a standard Dr. Stone chapter for me. So, like, not good, not bad, just kind of like, yeah, cool, they made it to America and found corn. See, I was just thinking of our buddy Zach, who's been on the podcast this entire the entire time I was reading this, which might be why I like this more and how he's always talking about needing meat. Yes. They have crocodile hamburgers, which doesn't sound great, but any port in the storm. Eh, gator burgers could be pretty good, especially like... I know that is a thing that's actually served, like in in our times when yep. it's not the Pokes Apocalypse. So, But I also know gator is both very stringy and gamey. And so I don't feel like it would make great ground meat. But I could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, also, they made it to America, finally. Yeah. Which is an important development. And I did like the joke about, hey, we don't all know ge- American geography. Because it's a Japanese thing. And I was just thinking about how sort of so much of Dr. Stone, it feels like the rivers to me. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, yeah, I know what the Sacramento le- River leads out. I know where farms are in California. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to say about Dr. Stone, Kevin? Nope. All right. 
Jack just leaves us with Jump Card. Jump Card is the segment where we rank all the chapters in Shonen Jump, from our least favorite up to our favorite. 19 this week. I actually have a kind of weird ranking for this one, for a lot of reasons, as compared to my normal ones. I probably have some weird stuff thrown in here as well. What do you have at number 19? Evergravity Boys down to 19. Yeah, I figured. I did not enjoy it this week. I didn't either i i like the last like two pages that is like an interesting development at least i have chainsaw man at the bottom because boy was it hard to follow I no that, that's totally fair i don't have it super high either for a lot of the same reasons i was able to follow this chapter fairly well but it's definitely in its weird bizarre phase Hmm. what do you have at 18 i have me tom at 18 the just random hey, let's introduce Rina Haze's mom, and then she and Yo need to have a mom off. Like, what? <laughs> it's just, it, it, I didn't find it funny. For another time, I actually thought Mitaba was a really, really funny this week. I put it very high. Gotcha. I, it, I just, I didn't like the joke. So, unfortunately, that yeah. happens with comedy sometimes. I have Haikyuu at 18, because again, it just did that thing Haikyuu does that sometimes, where... I glaze over and have to focus really, really hard to care at all. Yeah, I have it at number 17 for a lot of the same. Like, all right, cool. So this guy, like, wanted to learn how to serve, but he struggled with it. But then he figured it out. And here's some more aspects of the people playing the game. And I was like, oh, okay. But again, I don't know who any of them are. So. Yeah, I have a Gravity Boys at 17. Okay. Because I could follow it, and I thought some of the jokes were okay. Gotcha. I have Chainsaw Man at number 16. Um, I thought the the whole fact that like this entire thing has been about Makima trying to take down Santa, kind of interesting. Yeah. Like, especially when they're like, uh, the one really old, or the Demon older hunter. hunter. They're devil hunter. I was wondering why the uh, protection program was a bunch of scrubs. And it was like, yeah, it's a trap the whole time. Uh, that makes sense. Uh-huh. Like I said, I just had trouble find it, following it. And when, like, the first devil hunter, who's like a spike devil, showed up, I was like, yeah. Yeah, it was very confusing, yeah. It'd be cool if I cared at all, I guess. It seemed more like she was like a like an arrow devil or a crossbow devil okay, or something maybe. like that. It looked like I got real porcupine vibes on it, off it. I got, I got arrows. They all looked like arrows to me. She even had, like hand-mounted arrow launcher, like, hand-mounted bow crossbows or something like that. Like, arm mm-hmm. crossbows. Yes. That's the imagery I got off. Because, like, the darkness devil doesn't make any sense, because no part of it is dark, and it's got... It, <laughs> she's like, yeah, I've got a piece of the darkness devil, therefore my legs are made out of heads. Okay. <laughs> yep. That's the thing it, that happens in this chapter. I was like, it like, the early ones made sense. There was the chainsaw devil, who sprouts chainsaws, there was the one sword devil who sprouts swords. I was like, okay, this this is fine. The shark devil is part shark. The angel devil the has like... The devil is giant bullet. Yeah, the, the angel devil has like wings. The violence devil, he wears a weird plague mask. But I was like, the, like everything starts making sense. And then it's like, yeah, darkness devil. But no part of you is dark. Like at all. <laughs> like you're not even wearing a cloak. Yeah. Anyway. I have Black Clover at 16. Um, I mean, it was some shonen stuff. Like, this guy had did a training and came back stronger. I just, like, I didn't really care, and I really find this enemy he's fighting unappealing. Gotcha. So I have Bone Collection down at 15, and it was just kind of, I was like, ah, it's just kind of generic. And I, like, I just kept looking at it being like, yeah, that's cliched. Oh, hey, look, it's the kid who, he's totally useless, except for this one super awesome power, but it's forbidden. Neat. 
Yeah. You know, it's that I actually, I recently just, in between our last podcast and this one, I got caught up on Twin Star Exorcist, Mm -hmm. which doesn't have a similar thing, but has to deal with exorcists and, you know, like, oh, this one's from a prestigious family, but this one's, like, not considered good, but is actually really powerful. And so I just saw a lot of vibes in between that. Because it was like, hey, look, we're dealing with exorcists again. Mm-hmm. I have Hell's Paradise at 15. Fair. It just felt like a real nothing chapter to me. And it yeah. kind of suffered from Hell's Paradise because it's not in Jump. Got a chapter last week. And last week's I thought was really good. But mm-hmm. this one just felt like a nothing period to the previous chapter to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, it was my number 14 for a lot of the same reason. It was very weird and bizarre, and I feel like we're going to have to wait until next week until it makes a bit more sense. Because mm-hmm. I'm kind of really confused what happened. Yeah, like same. Not, not, yeah, this is weird. I have Mashal at 14. Okay. It's kind of a more serious mashal, which I don't think really suits the series. It's probably it seems like it's also mostly a setup chapter for next week, mm-hmm. which I think will be more in the mashal style. Um, but I understood what was going on at every moment. Yep. So I have Doctor Stone at thirteen. I just I didn't find too much appealing in this, so like just a bunch of stuff ended up going higher. Uh huh. We're at 13? I have Undead yep. Unluck at 13, which I guess I would say something similar about, especially the ending with the uh, third negator they have with them suddenly being Goku with a power pole. The yeah. only bit of Undead Unluck I really liked was the Statue of Liberty randomly getting shot. Yep. So I have Mashal at number 12. I I was kind of liking the energy it was giving. I know it's different than normal Mashal and doesn't quite fit the style, but I think it was easily punctured by the fact that Mashal is like, alright, bring it on, punk, but he throws the cream puff into the guy's mouth, and he's just <laughs> sitting there staring at it while it's, like, dripping onto his shirt. Yeah. Like I said, I didn't dislike Mashal. Yeah, no, that that's fair. It, it just, just went I don't slightly think it, higher it for It got me. the right energy. Yeah. I have Mission Yuzakura family at 12. Okay. I did like this little two-part arc, but I didn't find it, like, particularly funny or heartwarming in a way. Like, it didn't do enough, I think. Okay. Like, of anything it was doing. It was exactly how I expected this arc to resolve, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have Jujutsu Kaisen at number 11. So do I. It was, it was I really like cool. the fight scene in this one. Yeah. Like I said, I, I have trouble caring about the characters and stuff in Jujutsu Kaisen, but the way the main character in particular fights, I really like the way that's drawn. I was just going to say it was really cool. I feel like this artist, I would really like to see him do something... Not like Yu Yu Hakusho, but that kind of gangster style, mm-hmm. which I don't think can survive in modern shonen jump. But that sort of fist fighting, I think he would be really, really good at. Like, coarse quarters, almost grappling fights. Yep. Of course, part of what makes Jujutsu Kaisen so good is the impact, which is, you know, pretty fantastical. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's not quite the right style for him. But I feel like the magic fights don't do a lot for me, but like when it's a fist fight or a guy f- with his fist fighting a magical user. Then I really like it. Yeah. So I have Mori King at number 10. Like I said, it seems kind of interesting. I'm interested to see where the rest of the series goes. I did laugh at some of the jokes, especially the one with the dad being like, all right, we're calling the new meeting to order. What was the last meeting about? Or wasn't the last meeting about this thing? And the mom is like, no, the last meeting was about you spending all of our money on a bike. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, um. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. I have one piece at 10, because it was just kind of nothing, like we said. Fair. I have Guardian the Witch at number 9. I liked it. I don't really have much more to say about it, other than what we talked about. I have Mitama at 9, because I was laughing for most of it. I Weirdly, I feel like taking out the spirits makes me like Mitama a lot more. That makes sense. When it's just kind of this weird situational comedy, and it was setting up some potential future plot thread stuff. Which, not that I want... Itama to ever get super serious, but I think that it is a boon to the chapter. Mm-hmm. So I have my hero at number eight. Me as well. Yeah, it's fairly good. Just not a whole lot happening. Mm-hmm. What do you have at seven? I have one piece at seven. I liked the 
you know, even though it is kind of just, hey, here's the introduction to the Toby Ropa, I was like, all right, cool, we're getting introduced to the dudes finally. And it's like, ah, X-Drake's there, that's pretty neat. The, you know, hey, we're going to sneak in using the clothes powers was interesting, and it, like, a reaffirmation of, oh yeah, here's Kinemon's Devil Fruit ability, like, oh, that's pretty neat. So, like, they're going to sneak in that way. I'm just realizing this now, but I feel like Hawkins should have been there. Like, he remember when he was in this arc? Yeah. Hey, maybe he, he still probably will be. I think he'll show up. I'm kind of thinking he'll be the wild card, pardon the pun. It just seems like he should have been in that group. Well, if Drake's there. Maybe he wasn't strong enough to be part of the Toby Could Rupo. be. Cause it like, just he... seems like it's time for Odai to be like, hey, remember, this guy's here. Yeah. I, I... That's not a criticism, necessarily. It's just a realization. He'll probably show up in the fight somewhere. Just He probably wasn't part of the Toby Robo. What do you have at number seven? I have Guardian of the Witch at seven. Flying with fire feet is cool. Mm-hmm. Gravity magic is cool. Yep. I mean, it's just setting up a shonen arc where they're going to fight this guy who's a jerk. Probably after more defeating both physically and morally the uh, Witch and Guardian here. Yep. So I have Undead and Luck at number six. The thing I really liked about Undead and Unluck this week was Spoil talking to Unluck about, like, hey, I'm Decay. I'm the reason that people have, or life has started striving for betterness because they end. So, like, I'm an important part of the world. Why are you trying to capture me? Yeah. I mean, I think that's just an argument I've heard a thousand times, and so it didn't do much for me. I mean, that's fair, but I just like the fact that it was literally the, you know, like, I'm literally the essence of decay. Like, I'm a manifestation of decay. And I just thought that was kind of cool. Like, oh, maybe they could, like, what happens if they do manage to kill decay? Does decay stop? Yeah, we'll have to see, because... Undead Unluck is a weird series to me and that I'm not sure if I want it to go on or not. Like, I'm very curious about the world building stuff. Like, he has my intrigue, but very rarely does something that get, happens in that series feel like it paid off to me in gotcha. the right way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Though I'm sure we'll see that. I have Dr. Stone at six. Okay. Uh, like I said, it just reminded me of our buddy Zach a lot and like the America stuff was cool. Gotcha. I have Mission Yuzakura at number five. I liked the Nato kind of thing, and I was honestly kind of expecting him to have to use the stabilization serum, and so it was like kind of a nice thing where Tayo was like, no, don't worry, I'm, I'll am i be your big brother. Yeah. I have Bone Collection at number five. Okay. I was very critical of it when we talked about it, and all those things stand, but... It's got two heroines, and I love a love triangle. Mm-hmm. And also, pretty much any new series starting in Shonen Jump, and I think this is a very positive trend, tries to like put a heroine at the forefront in a way that you barely had in like Dragon Ball or Naruto or even One Piece. Yeah. Unfortunately, those characters tend to pretty quickly get kind of swept under the rug. Yep. But both of them are way more interesting than the bland-ass main character shonen guy we have, so... Yeah. If you are interested, Twin Star Exorcists, which has most of their stuff on the Shonen Jump app, it's only, like, chapters 67 through 74 or something like that that they're missing, has one of the main characters is Benio, who's the other half of the Twin Star Exorcists, who's female, and, like, she doesn't go away. She's extremely important. To the plot and, and is Promise like, Neverland yep. is probably the best example of that, yeah, right? With Emma. I was just trying and, to say something you weren't currently reading. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm saying it, it does exist, is what, more my point. Yes. But I feel like a lot of Shonen Jump series try that, and there hasn't really been one that really succeeded, right? Like, Promise Neverland is pretty different. Demon Slayer is probably the one that's closest to that, but it's got a very different sort of heroine. Yeah. And, like, Act Age is uh, the main character's Female heroine. Life. Yeah. I'm just noticing, like, even Guardian of the Witch, very strong male and female protagonist to start with, right? Yep. But no series like that has super taken off the way uh, One Piece or Naruto or My Hero did. Yeah. So I have Black Clover at number four. 
I really like Luck as a character, and you barely know anything about him. Yep, he's got lightning. I could see why you weren't a huge fan of it, but I just really liked his kind of like, faster, get faster, get faster. And like, that's the only thing he's chanting during the whole fight. I really liked that. I have Mori King at four. The joke I really liked in this was when she's yelling at her dad and he like jumps on her and she throws him away. And there's just a little footnote that says middle school Gino champ. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, I just I found it funny. And I mean, honestly, you've probably figured it out in the town. I think it was kind of a weak issue of Shonen Jump. So Mm -hmm. stuff like that didn't get topped. What do you have at number three? I have Act Agent number three. Same. Really good. Are we going to have identical top threes? Probably. (laughs) Probably, yes. I mean, yeah, Act Age was good. And like I just said, I thought it was a pretty match Shonen Jump. So, hey, a good one. Yep. That's going to get you in the top three. So I have We Never Learned at number two. Yeah, same. (laughs) Okay. I was like, we we set our piece on that. Yeah, that might have been the that might have been the sticking point. I could have seen you flipping that. You haven't. Because we didn't talk much about Demon Slayer. I think because it was so good, it was hard to talk about. Yeah. But you, I know, you spoke very highly of We Never Learned, so I kind of wondered. I it, it wasn't a, like, as much as it I It wasn't better s- than that Demon Slayer chapter. No, that, that was the thing of, like, doing rankings, Demon Slayer number one. All right. Uh, <laughs> you know, yep. I was like, it was really good. Demon Slayer just had a beat. Sorry. Yeah, Demon Slayer's number one this week. I'll be sad when that goes. Yep. Because there just seems like nothing slotted up to even close to take its place which is why i'm more concerned about jump than any of the other things we talk about like because nothing feels like it's stepped up to food wars right yeah like mission yozakura i feel like will be my replacement for we never learn but it's not near as good yeah like of all the things that have started since we started reading it mission yozakura i feel is the only one i really really feel strongly that i want it to keep going and it's a very middle of the pack sort of series yeah. But making manga's hard, so it's easy to say, hey, it wasn't this is no Naruto. Yep. What do you mean you didn't recreate Dragon Ball, but better and for the twenty twenties? Yep. Anything else you want to say on Demon Slayer or anything else, Kevin? I didn't feel like it was too weak of a Shonen uh, Jump. Like it, it it was on the weak side, but it wasn't like, oh, this was like a disappointing Shonen Jump, it was just kind of like, this. Yeah, like, if we were going, you know, if we were going to give it a rating, this was like 40 instead of a 50. Yeah, I mean, looking at my rankings, like, they definitely look right to me, but they look weird. Because, like, the comedy series did pretty well, and usually those kind of go at the bottom for me. Mm-hmm. One Piece and My Hero are, like, sitting kind of in the middle. Like, Demon Slayer and We Never Learn look like they're in the right place. But... I feel like it was because One Piece and My Hero didn't really have any emotional bits to them. Like, Yeah, they had, like, no strength to them. So, that's why I think they kind of fell back into the middle. Versus Demon Slayer and We Never Learn had some great emotional yeah. bits, so they were up at the top. Uh, it was the same reason why I like Black Clover. I liked the emotional bit because I understand Luck as a character. So Yeah. I guess what I would say is that, like, One Piece and My Hero felt like they had a step down, but nothing really felt like it stepped up. Like, Bone Collection, you heard me say, like, all my critical stuff about how I don't think it's going to last, and it still made number five. Mm -hmm. And, like, Jujutsu Kaisen, I guess, was a pretty big step up from where I what I normally expect from that. But anyway, that's a weird note to leave off on, but I think that's about what I have to say about it. Yep. So, we will be back to talk about Ancient Magus Bride, which I don't think I mentioned at the top of the show, so please pretend I did. Sure. After the break. So we read Ancient Magus Bride, Volume 1, this week. What did you think about it, Kevin? I really liked it. I've read it before, so 
like, yeah, we're going back through Ancient Magus Bride, and it really makes me, I really need to watch the anime, which is something that's, like, bad considering, for me, considering I was like, I like the, I like the manga, I should watch the anime at some point. So, I'm curious, then, why did you read the manga and not watch the anime? Because usually it's the other way around for you. How did the manga come to you, is I guess what I'm really asking. A year before the anime released, they released three OVAs. Okay. Of H. Megas Pride, so I watched those and was like, this was cool. And then they were like, yeah, the anime will be coming at some point. So I read the manga because I was like, I got super into this world. This seems really neat. And so that's why I wanted to go read the manga. And then I had read a bunch of the manga, and then the anime finally came out, and it just came out. It happened to come out at a time where I was doing a bunch of other stuff. So I was like, I'll just kind of like, this is kind of slice of life so I'll kind of put it to the side. So it's like, it's still in my queue but it's, it hasn't been something I've watched yet. Gotcha. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah. I liked it. I didn't have that strong of a reaction to it, though. I think part of it, I don't think it's a bad volume one per se, but because it's kind of slice of lifey, but then leads in the mi- like the middle of an arc that feels like it's in the middle of a larger arc itself. Mm-hmm. That's odd and I feel like there's not a lot of time for Chisei, to, the, who is the main character, to express herself. I think that's deliberate and on purpose, but... Yeah, it definitely is. It She kind of gets more personal expression as the series goes on. And I do get that, but it makes the volume as a whole feel like kind of on an off note. And I don't particularly like the world that's set up. I don't have any problem with it. And like I each gotcha. individual aspect is cool. But it's not like a Harry Potter thing where I want to live there, which actually I don't have that fantasy about Harry Potter either, but a lot of people do. Like it doesn't have that strong of a uh, hook to me. I gotcha. I did have. I do like the world. It's not necessarily I want to live there. Uh, it'd be kind of cool, but it was definitely one of those like, oh, this is kind of neat. Like I like Elias's character design. I like a lot of the kind of the the neighbors character designs like ah a lot of these things look really cool and really neat and i will definitely agree with you on character design especially for the neighbors and like every aspect of the world i like like the city of cats with like the king of cats who's lived all of his nine lives like that's a super cool thing i want to steal for my D game mm-hmm. but like the overworld like each part of the world is cool but like not in the way that adds up in a weird way yeah which for a volume one is fine. There's time to do that. But mine was like, okay, this is okay. I am curious about volume two, but it's not like, oh man, this was great. Yeah. And versus because I liked a lot of those aspects and they obviously they flesh out the world. And I kind of like that. Like one of the things I like about it is I really connect with Chise in the fact that she has no idea what's going on and I have no idea what's going on. So we're kind of like, we're just riding this roller coaster together. Oh, and that's a super common way to tell stories, especially yeah. fantasy stories. Yeah. Fantasy stories, especially, especially manga like this. It's also, and this is kind of a weird thing to say, but like, I mean, clearly it's in the Beauty and the Beast mold, right? It is a take on that, which I don't mean as a criticism of it. Yeah. But more as a statement of looking at its influences. Um, Specifically the, I don't know if this was in your copy, but there was an afterword at the end of the volume where the author was talking about like, I really like these foreign fairy tales. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I'm assuming well, it, was it takes the... place in England and yeah. And it's like, it's clearly got a lot of the, not necessarily Grimm's tales, but like a lot of Western folklore kind of specifically like British Isles folklore. Yes. So I could totally see the, him getting a beauty and the beast vibe off of that because he is was the manga in... a male out of curiosity. I believe so. Okay, it read to me like it was written by a woman. That I mean, that means nothing. Let me look it up, because I don't... Nope, it is a woman. Okay. Corey Yamazaki. Like I said, it just read to me that way. And, um, hey, she's the same without... age as me. <laughs> That's depressing. Um, <laughs> but what I was going to say is that I think there's a 
a degree of sexuality to this fantasy, and there's no problem with that at all to me. I mean, every shonen manga, where not every shonen manga, most of them have some of that, right? Yeah. Like we just talked about how Bone Collection has a girl with big breasts who falls from the sky, and I admitted to liking the love triangle aspect of it. But the same thing about like how we often talk about with jokes, if like they miss you, like it totally ruins it. Yeah. I feel like the sexuality of this is similar to me, but it's not like, oh, it completely is lost on me. It's very, very close to something I would very much enjoy. And that's almost worse. Gotcha. Uh, and that's only one aspect of it. So I don't think it's bad or anything, but like I was very aware of that part of the fantasy. And like I said, it was close, but it missed. Yeah. And I totally understand that being a bit of a turnoff. Huh. Uh, yeah, that's a weird thing to say. Because it's it wasn't that exactly, but also that is the phrase that keeps popping up into my mind. Yep. Like, this is definitely for somebody, and I hope they enjoy it a lot. And I think it's pretty good, even as someone who it's not for. But I can very clearly see, okay, this is a huge aspect of the fantasy here, and it doesn't capture me. Mm-hmm. Versus, like I said, I I really enjoyed it, so... So it's about a woman who is bought as a slave by a man with a skull for a head. Yes. Uh, kind of like a cow skull. Yeah, I was trying to think of how to describe it, and that's about perfect. Who is like, hey, I'm a mage, you're going to be my apprentice because you have magic gifts. Also, you know, you're not a slave anymore. Let me get rid of this collar for you. Yeah. And, you know, there's a found fantasy aspect to the, or a found family aspect to the fantasy. But also, he's like, also, you're going to be my bride. So, like I said, there's that beauty and the beast thing, too where she's, you know, a guest in his home, but also he has all the power. Yes, but he's also not, like, it gets, it's something that gets expanded on later, but he's definitely weird. Uh, You can even tell in volume one, he's definitely weird about her being his bride. He's like, you're going to be my bride. And then, like, just leaves her yeah. alone. Yeah, like, like I said, like, is almost the fantasy, but it's just a bit off for me. Mm-hmm. And also a weird thing I was thinking about that, is, you know, I'm not even sure how I feel on this, so I d- don't mean to levy it as a criticism, and also, this could sidetrack things, but I also recently watched uh, Rising of the Shield Hero, mm-hmm. and so in watching that, I couldn't help but think about the slave fantasy, and how, it, in some ways, it's disrespectful, and like I said, I don't mean that as a criticism necessarily, because I'm not sure where I feel on it, Gotcha. but it does kind of uh, use that horrible thing that has happened in the past for, like, And it's not saying anything about slavery. It's using it for fantasy. Yeah. And like I said, I don't have, I'm not going to say that's bad or that's fine because I'm not sure, but I couldn't help but think about that. Also, specifically, Chise sold herself into slavery. And we don't, that is implied and I assumed so from this. I'm pretty sure. But it's not basically, it's not directly stated. I thought it basically was because there's that, there's a couple of uh, pages or at least a couple of panels where she's talking to a some man. Yeah. And uh, he's like, why not sell yourself to somebody who care? And so, like, uh, the reason for the selling herself into slavery gets explained a lot, but it was kind of the, she got abandoned by her family, and so she's got all this abandonment thing, so she's like, well, I can get something out of it. Yeah. And also, there's the bit where, like, it's revealed that she didn't actually attempt suicide, but was very, very close to it, which is a super powerful thing that I've experienced. And I think that was treated with more than enough respect by the story. Yep. So like, I definitely feel like there's something going on there. And like I said, I didn't come to a conclusion on it, but given other media I'm consuming, I couldn't help but notice that aspect. Um, And like I said, this is all a fantasy that for the person it's for, I think this is like, if this sounds like something you're interested in, definitely give it a watch or a read because it's well done. Like, there's nothing in here that makes me go, ah, this is, like, a bad or disrespectful version of this. No, because... But I couldn't help but notice it's not for me. Yeah. Well, because basically she almost uh, is immediately free. Like, again, she kind of sells herself into slavery, and it's this, hey, I want you to be my apprentice. And I really like where the series goes a little bit after this, where they kind of explain what a slave beggy, slave buggy, have you... Yeah, it pronounce it she everyone slay beggy is definitely how i read it but uh everyone keeps calling her this she's like what is it and no one's explained it to her yet it they eventually well elias sort of does yeah but people start explaining more 
as the series goes on is like this is why people are so interested in you and i wouldn't have even probably noticed the slavery stuff if i hadn't just watched rising of the shield hero which has the same exact thing but it's much more of a focus Mm -hmm. at least in the beginning yeah actually no it it continues going on yeah yeah i mean i don't want to like i said i don't want to sidetrack us but yeah like you can definitely use the demi-humans as a stand-in for any oppressed minority and that theme continues yeah throughout although i do like little sidetracky that um they also do the flip side of the coin where he at one point it's in the light novels but he goes to another country where it's the exact opposite where it's a demi-human country and humans are the oppressed ones so i at least like that yeah. it's like it's not like the whole world is like this it's like you went to you know, this country where it's this way and over here it's the other way. I guess my point about both of them and like, is that I don't think either has much to say about slavery. No. And so like, and that's a heavy subject that you should consider carefully before introducing. Yeah. It was one of the reasons rising of the shield hero took a lot of flack when it first got animated. It was the slavery thing and the uh, rape accusation thing. And it took a lot of flack for that. Yeah, and like I said, there, there. If we ever read a Rising of the Hero Shield Hero manga, there will be time to have that discussion then. Yeah, there is a manga. I am not interested in reading it because it was a light novel. <laughs> because it's probably bad. Yeah, because it was a light novel first, and then it got adapted into a manga. And like most of the isekai adaptations, it's probably not good. But anyway, I just very interesting stuff here. I do think the art I didn't even touch on. I think it's very good at conveying the world that they want to convey. The yeah. fairies we kind of touched on it look really good. The fairies look and really good. And dragons are pretty yeah. interesting. I I really like the dragons, especially where it's like, yeah, this one's an earth dragon and when they die, they literally return to the earth and he's going to become a giant tree. Like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, and that's part of why I felt like it was probably a female mangaka, because it seems like a very feminine dragon fantasy to me, as weird as that is to say. Yeah, I know what you mean. Which is, again, not a criticism. I think that's one of the strong parts of the manga, because any like specific detail about him, like, this is how the fae works, this is how dragon works, this is how this one town works, that's all super interesting, but it doesn't feel like it... It doesn't add up to a world I want to live in. It's just a bunch of cool ideas that I feel like I could nab. Mm-hmm. Do we want to talk about characters at all before we move on into like, per- or should we save that per- personality power level? Because I've really focused on like tone and world. No, which we, is we can think- save that for personality power level. Like I said, because I've read a lot more, I don't want to go too deep into the character stuff because, yeah. like, I know a lot more about Elias and Chise than you do. So yeah, and we find out a little bit about Chise's near attempt at suicide. I don't know what to call it. I feel like attempt is correct. And like I said, as someone who has personally experienced that, I thought that was really strong. Mm-hmm. So I think there's careful consideration to the character. Elias is, you know, purposely very uh, enigmatic. Yes. Which makes him difficult to put a finger on at this point. And honestly, none of the other characters really stood out to me here. The like main face she kind of talks to is probably the one that has the next biggest like, oh, that's interesting, but it's mostly on design. Yeah, she's pretty interesting. I did like the the artificer. Yeah, she's not bad, but she just seems like the right character to throw in at the time. Yeah, she like, like she, she doesn't do a whole lot. She could easily never show up again. She also easily could. Uh, I I will spoil this. She does because they need to go back and get the thing that oh that they made sense. for her. They commissioned. Yeah. <laughs> so the, not a huge spoiler. They go back and get the thing that they bought, but. And, like, she plays some minor roles later, so it's not like she just vanishes, but... Yeah. It's mainly about Elias and Chise. Yeah, which makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's about their relationship. So, I think that's fine as a focus for the manga. Even if it's just them going places and learning things, I think that could hold it. Like I said, if, like, Monster Boyfriend sounds appealing to you at all, I think this is a very good version of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Or of any of the aspects I've talked about. Like, I do think it's well done. Yeah, like I said, I need to watch the anime. Apparently it did really well because it got translated into, like, 20 different languages. Like, officially. Yeah. Like, I every time I look at it in Crunchyroll, it's like, there's 107 videos of under Antrimagus Bride. I was like, what? Did I miss a bunch? Oh, wait, no. Because here's the French version, and the Russian version, and the Spanish version, and... 
Yeah, I mean, I talked about how this fantasy isn't for me, but I feel like it's for an underserved market who wants it. Yep. So that doesn't really surprise me, and I'm glad to hear it. Anything else you want to say on Ancient Magic Sprite? No, not really. All right. That just leaves us with personality power level. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? Personality power level is the segment where we rank manga characters from best to worst. At the very top, number one is Uzumaki Naruto. At the very bottom, number 74, is that guy who's not Yamcha from that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. Dead in the center at 37, that's how math works, is Buggy the Clown (laughs) from One Piece. So Chisei's the character to go on here, right? Yes. We barely know anything about Elias. Yeah. I'd argue we don't know a ton about Chisei either. We don't. What we do know is important, but she's a character that if we moved on, I can definitely see going higher, and I feel like you'll try to argue her higher than I will, which is fine. Probably. But, like, what I'm thinking is better than Yo from Shaman King, but not as good as Saitama from One Punch Man, which is a pretty large range. Well, it's like 10 spots. But in there is where what sticks out to me. Uh, that's fair. I definitely agree with the better than Yo from Shaman King. And because I don't want to try and, like, if we end up reading more, because like I said, I like this series, and you were at least interested in it. I don't yeah, want to try Yeah, but we and... also... Well, I'm Feel saying free to argue her above things, just because we've used prior knowledge beforehand. So if you want to put her above Saitama. We have. But I always have the problem of, ah, oh, do I want to put her above Saitama? It's like, yeah, but like I like Saitama. Well, that's fair. I actually think I do want to argue her above Saitama, even just with the Volume 1 stuff, because like we have the, uh, she sold herself into slavery, she's dealing with, my parents abandoned me, but then I found, this guy bought me as a slave but then welcomed me into his home and has been super nice. And then all of a sudden these fairies were like, oh, hey, come live with us and we'll play and, you know, have fun all the time. And she's like, no, but I can't because this guy, like, even though he's this weird cow skull headed monster thingy, he's warm and he's nice to me. And it's just very, like, she finds it being very odd. And so I like how she kind of, will flop back and forth between when she meets with the artificer. She's like, uh, you know, oh, how did your first day go? Basically, it was like, he stripped me naked and uh, shoved me in the tub. (laughs) And she kind of like moves from joking around with that to where she's extremely empathetic with like the one older dragon dying. I really like that moment where she's like, well, is it going to hurt? And so that's where we have that little bit of flashback of her with a kind of attempted suicide thing. Yeah. So I I would argue her above Saitama because she's got a lot of those conflicting emotions, but I really like how she tends to connect with certain things on a deeper level. Like she's got that, I want to save everybody. Like even when at the very last chapter there with the black goo thing, she's like, all right, well, we need to purify it, but does that mean we have to kill them? Yeah. The next, like, breakpoint character I see is Ichigo from Bleach. Do you want to try to argue her above Ichigo? I would, yeah. Again, I feel like Ichigo's still kind of a a nothing character, and Chisei at least has some depth to her. And, you know, it's kind of interesting reading her struggling with, even though it is the kind of, not just the, the monster boyfriend thing, but, like, the found family thing, whereas Ichigo doesn't really have Anything like that, like, for the most part, he's pretty okay as a character. Alright, uh, the next place I want to stop you then is Buggy the Clown from One Piece. I I think I like Buggy more. Again, while I do find Chisei interesting, I like Buggy's silliness. Right below Buggy is Red from Pokemon Adventures, and I'd argue her below Red pretty strongly too, but below him is Maka from Soul Eater, and I could put or above him without with like zero argument. That's totally fair. I'm totally down with putting her above Maka, but below Red. Okay, so Chisei Hattori will go at number 39 above Maka and below Red. Alrighty. Alright, and that will do it for Jumpstart this week. Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fistfight by Tom W. Emmert. Other music on the show is by Spectacular Sound Productions. And our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. 
www.lastpodcast.com is our website where you can find past episodes as well as our other podcasts. It's a Gundam is still coming out every week. Last time on video games should return shortly. www.patreon.com slash lastpodcast is our Patreon page. If you want to help keep the podcast going, you can throw us a donation there and you get a couple of bonus episodes, mostly related to our other podcasts as well. Before I ask Kevin what he wants to plug, Hopefully we will be back in two weeks. It really depends on what Shonen Jump is doing. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's just the state of the world. Also, hopefully, since the stay-at-home order was lifted yesterday for our area, hopefully next time we record it, we'll be in person again, so the audio should be back to normal. Yeah. There are times where I like editing, having separate audio channels, because sometimes it's really great, especially when it's like I start talking and you we're kind of like trying to vamp. So you have, uh, Oh, Oh no, I don't need to actually say anything. That's extremely easy to cut out. Uh huh. But there's definitely been a couple of times where I accidentally forget to delete the silence from both channels. And so I'm like, <laughs> uh, uh, crap. It's all yet. Yeah, now, now everything's off and I like have to try and figure out the spacing to get everything working again. Plus the, yeah. the audio quality definitely takes a hit with the headset mics. It's almost like I have a pretty nice mixer and some decent mics. Yep. It's a decent, like, I have a decent headset mic, but it's only It's decent. not the same. Yeah. I lost my chance. Oh, uh, when we do come back, we will be reading Flame of Rekka, Volume 4. Hopefully, like I said, in two weeks. And then hopefully we can do Shonen Summer this year without too many more interruptions. But it really just depends on what Shonen Jump does. And obviously we don't want Odai getting sick and something terrible happening. Yeah. Anything you want to plug this week, Kevin? Nope. All right. Have a great week. We will... I can have a great two weeks, I guess. Hope we see you soon. Gotta stop, don't you know, subliminal.